Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Eruk the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler, who is struggling with man flu at the moment. But here to help me struggle through it is one of Ireland's best-known technology figures, the son of a Wicklow farmer, who grew up to run one of the biggest tech conferences in the world. You might also know him from his iron jumpers. Paddy Cosgrave, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Now, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of things today, or rather you're going to talk because my voice, I don't know how, how long it's going to actually uh, uh, stay functional. But we're going to talk about MoneyConf, which is a really big uh, conference that you're, you're, you're bringing back to the RDS in June. We're going to talk about other things, the Web, web Summit. We might get on to things like the property crisis and plenty more, maybe even some politics. I don't know. You're, you, when with conversations with you, we tend to, uh, they, they, they tend to wander a, a little bit in, in a good way. But first, I want to ask you a quick update on the <coughs> Web Summit next year yep. and whether it's going to be in Lisbon. Because I think when you did the deal with Lisbon, I think it was three years possibly plus an extension with the opportunities. Is that right? And so this will be the third year. The, yeah, this it? will be yeah. the third year. And it's... Uh, that's great. It's been. It's been. It's. It. It is an amazing city. It's gone from, kind of being off the radar. I think for a lot of, for a lot of the world, to becoming a, uh, a really important uh, tech city almost almost overnight. And it's not just that great companies are coming out of Lisbon. So Farfetch is about to go public, which is the first kind of Portuguese unicorn to go public, um, go public in the next month or two, I think. Um, there's also Google just opened up offices there mm-hmm. um, and are uh, going to build out. Initially, it was just Iberian-based operations, then Southern Europe, but it's been expanded to all of Europe. So uh, they're going to... they're recruiting right now for Norwegian speakers, Finnish, Swedish, and it's going to be, you know, initially just 500 jobs, but I think a much bigger operation. And so what happens next year? Do you stay there next year or not? Um, Hopefully. Um, But we, you know, we always have our our eyes open. Like, why would you consider moving, though? Because I've been to the event in Lisbon. It is custom made. I can get a a light rail system right into the event, pretty much from the airport. Yeah, it's you know, amazing. there's a lovely uh, kind of boardwalk. Why would you even consider moving from there, or is it just that you don't like a quiet life? Um, it is an amazing. Oh, Lisbon is just this amazing city. It's an absolutely incredible. Uh, it's an incredible city, uh, and I think we'll do everything to figure out um, how to stay there really forever. Um, I've fallen in love with uh, with Portugal and with Lisbon. I was there for Christmas and for New Year's. 
Um, you got the freedom of the city there, I think, did you? I think so. Now, what does that entitle you to do? Are you can it's, you it's a, bring a goat or something into? Yeah, the, horses, I think, and, okay. and unicorns and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the 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 constraint for us now, you know, you were there in November. Mm-hmm. We're building a lot of temporary structures. So, in an ideal world, the UN Secretary General would be able to check in inside a secured building, but. We, you know, we're building mm-hmm. big, big tents, big, huge marquees, um, and that's fine. And we could decide, and maybe that's the right decision to make, that we'll just keep the event at about 60,000, give or take. Um, but there seems to be demand to make it even bigger, uh, cover more industry verticals. So we correctly talked about Mercedes. We've added a car conference internal to Web Summit called Autotech. Um, all the big German car manufacturers, not just Mercedes, have become partners. Um, and I'd love to do something in agriculture that requires more space again to have John Deere and these other companies participate. So um, it just depends you, on a number of factors. You mentioned the UN Secretary General there. Yeah. Um, would you like for it to... I, I get the feeling sometimes when I <coughs> yeah. look at some of the guests and I look at you introducing yeah. uh, people on stage that you're especially interested in the public policy element growing of the web summit you know a lot of senior figures from different governments coming there is that is that a direction you want to take it in yeah so first to, to give to give people a flavor it's everybody from the un secretary general to five or six european commissioners like margaret Vestager, who uh, of course find apple very famously a number of years ago um and, and that matters if you're if, if you're living in ireland um to al gore to people from nato heads of state from around the world now the reason we're doing that is not necessarily my preferences it's more a recognition that technology is increasingly uh, impacting the world we all live in for better and, and sometimes I think for worse. Mm. Uh, and so we're beginning to tackle or at least discuss some of the more pertinent issues. What impact will AI have on jobs? You know, people have a right to be concerned about what are their kids studying right now in school? What are they thinking about to do in college? And will there, will there be jobs for them uh, when they leave? Um, other issues... Do you, do you, what, on that, what, what do you think about that? Is it because, I mean, I, I saw uh, Professor Hawking uh, yeah. at last year's Web Summit, and he has, just like he did last November, he has sounded mm. warning for a couple of years now. But others think maybe that's a bit too scary, that AI isn't really going to, you know, to do us all out of a job. Uh, you know, I think I think the, the 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 warnings that Hawking makes come with a caveat that it's not necessarily that these are imminent, but that j- these are just very real possibilities at some point in the future, um, and that we need to be prepared for when that d- day comes. If you look at say the top um, roboticists in the world, Rodney Brooks from MIT, Professor Rodney Brooks, there was a big report last year that had fancy graphs, went viral across the the internet, uh, suggesting that millions of jobs are going to be replaced by robots within 10 years. Uh, There's a a great example which has to do with basically maintenance and groundskeepers. About a million jobs are due to be destroyed in America and replaced by robots. Rodney Brooks published a rebuttal to this about two months ago saying, okay, let's just take groundskeepers and uh, maintenance workers. To date, there are no robots doing these jobs. Mm. 
and there are no known prototypes in a laboratory setting performing any of the tasks that are due to be replaced by robots in 10 years. Um, so just questioning some of the some of the kind of... Um, people are just making a leap, maybe? People are making a leap. Yeah. And, you know, he is the foremost roboticist in the world, and he's adamant that this isn't going to happen as fast as mm-hmm. people suggest. Mm-hmm. However, it will eventually happen, but it's many decades away. Mm. Um, and if you look in, in terms of AI... Um, Professor Gary Marcus from NYU sold a company to to Uber. He's been at Web Summit uh, a number of times. He's written a number of uh, posts in the last three or four months just saying, look, we're we're over-exaggerating by a huge margin the impact of of AI. Uh, Some of these voice technologies have now been around for 10 years, but really, have they got... Mm that much better over the last 10 years you know what we have an Alexa or it's not like yep. don't say the A word uh, uh, on broadcast ever because it, it triggers um, a, a lot of uh, devices uh, <laughs> we, we have an Echo uh, yeah, at yeah, home yeah. an Echo Plus and you know she's quite the A is quite um, clever but she's not intelligent she's a bot yeah, yeah. she's definitely a bot yeah. there, there is not really AI there yeah and I mean uh, Gary Marcus uses a great example that to date that nobody has developed an AI system powerful enough to read at the level of a six-year-old. Right. That's, that's like yeah. senior infants, right. senior infants' kids who are just learning to read mm-hmm. will outsmart the most powerful su- supercomputers on Earth still to this day. These are that's a, just a more complex task. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, let me ask you about. Um, well, just before I, I leave that, yeah. just on the web summit. I mean, is it that the web summit? Is it that you've you've proven that it can be a movable event? Is was that always a goal for you, um, especially when looking at scaling up from Dublin to to Lisbon? Um, well, I think we've proven more that with rise and collision. So we started an event in Asia and in the United States that are very similar to Web Summit, just under under different brands, um, and they've grown faster than than they're not as big as Web Summit today, but they've grown. They are growing faster than Web Summit did uh, in the past. And Collision may be larger than South by Southwest this year or will be pretty close to it. Um, and that's much larger, much faster than, uh, than, than Web Summit became. So more, I think, with the team, and there's 170 of us, almost mm. all, uh, most based in, in Dublin, what we've proven is that we can take this formula uh, and scale other events anywhere in the world, mm. uh, not just uh, move events around. You were on the Late Late Show a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of the things you said, which I've been thinking about for, for a while, you, you, you kind of suggested that um, the, the press interpretation or reception abroad at The Guardian, maybe The Financial Times, I think you mentioned, or the BBC, was qualitatively different than the press reception to moving in Ireland. Yes. Why did you think that? Well, there are lots of, well, aside from it being a fact, I think there are lots of interesting anecdotes. So um, a journalist in Ireland started writing stories as there was all uh, this huge kind of kerfuffle attacking the food at Web Summit and the expense of it. Mm -hmm. And so the BBC went to investigate. The BBC is a very credible uh, organization. They went over to the the food summit um, and they couldn't replicate what this journalist had found. Instead, they stumbled upon Darina Allen and the Ballymaloo Cookery School, uh, the Burn Smokehouse, and they had 
an incredible kind of three-course meal, which wasn't represented at, rep- represented at all in these reports about a 10-euro burger. Mm-hmm. There was, of course, a sign that said quick and dirty, where you could just go and grab something that was quick and dirty from a small section of kind of uh, maybe music festival burger flipping mm. uh, vans. Um, and yeah, just... So what, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't what, really know. It, it wasn't really, it just so wasn't take really that captured. food story, for yeah, example. Yeah. Was it that? No mention of the fact that Doreen Allen was marshalling right. all of these incredible f- chefs and uh, food providers from all over Ireland under mm. the umbrella of Good Food Ireland. That was just like, it was removed from even any mention of any of these stories. Is it that the media here just, is there just a begrudgery here? Is, 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 do, they, do they just regard it as a blood sport? Or what was your... Appreciation no, I don't, I don't, I, no, I don't, I don't think so in the slightest. You know, uh, I think there's two components. We, we pay, after all, millions of euros a year to be propagandized by government spin doctors. I mean, you know, their, their salaries in most cases are 100 grand plus, and every single minister gets at least one, and the political party will get, will get a few. Um, and their job is to, at all costs, protect the perception of, of, of the party, the government of the, uh, of the day. Um, first. Second, on the other side, if you think about it, if you're a journalist in Ireland, especially if you're a political correspondent or you're a business correspondent, you're focused on domestic issues. That means that your bread is buttered by access to either political sources or business sources domestically. So if something is leaving the country, you're, you're no longer, uh, in almost all instances as a journalist, going to be reliant on these people for access ever again, for example. So, I mean, if you're smart enough and you've been around the block as a journalist and you're getting pressurized by a government spin doctor to portray a story in a certain way, and it's not it's not illogical. In fact, it's very good practice and it's pretty smart and mature of you as a journalist to you know, take out a hatchet. There's, so, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. So you, you can't... You, what, you're suggesting that they were really just protecting the future of their patches is is the future of their yeah of that's their i mean that, that's 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 yeah of course i mean that's how that's how to why did, why, to, to degree anyway it happened you, you, yeah. the, the web summit left uh, it it went to but uh, i you know i think i think you you've got to depersonalize these things you just got to step back and you've mm. got to say you know this was this is very normal it was the right thing by the government of the day uh, to do i would have done it if i was in government uh, and this had happened on my watch uh, and if I'm a journalist, I'm a, politi- I'm a senior political correspondent who relies day to day on access to government ministers and getting leaks for stories. I feel obliged to step in and defend my profession here. Uh, I mean, I, I can't no, entirely I agree with this, you. I, I, I hear what I, you're I, saying. I see this as like journalists have huge integrity in that they, you know, they protect their sources in almost all instances, unless for some reason they're compelled in a court of law or otherwise. And even at that, many of them will still never divulge their sources. Uh, But they're also realistic in that their sources, in many cases, um, are the lifeblood upon which they survive. And they look after them over time and they build up good relationships with people that they rely on to break stories. And then occasionally, uh, of course, they'll, they might hang out the odd, the odd source to, to dry. That's just mm-hmm. the nature of mm-hmm. the beast. Um, by the way, just before we move on, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> you've had a couple of pops at Fine Gael in sure. particular yeah. over the last uh, a while. <coughs> um, any reason for that or... No, not in, no. Not, not just in the, that they happen to be in government. Not in not, not in the slightest. Um, um, 
I think it's, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some people in Ireland who are satisfied with the state of the kind of housing sector uh, mm. at the moment. If you're a, if you're a big landlord, well, I'm, uh, I'm, you've, you've yeah. got to be very happy. But certainly if you're younger, if you're part of a younger kind of demographic, um, you're, you've just, you're just once again watching yourself being priced out entirely of the market or priced into 30 years of punishing debt. I wanted to ask you about that because it's an issue you've, you've raised a few times, the, the housing and, and property uh, crisis. Um, do you have any ideas what to do on this? Uh, possibly look at what other countries do that don't have such volatility in, uh, so in the housing sector. Some other countries have things like rent control, for example. Uh, big cities, big European cities, some big American cities have have rent control mm. arrangements. Now, when you try and introduce that concept, even in conversation sure. in Ireland, there's an, an innate conservative streak that comes out in people you would have never thought mm. would be conservative. And for some reason, um, <clears throat> any certainly any political candidate who sure. suggests that yes. will not get elected. But it's 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 not conservatism. So I think it, it, take a step back even further and ask, OK, are there structural differences at a kind of macroeconomic level between, let's take Germany and, and, and Ireland? And could those very significant differences in how the economies are structured influence in, to some degree the types of policies that are pursued domestically? So the major difference between Germany or take Denmark, for example, 85% of Denmark's exports, even more in the case of Germany, come from the domestic sector. In the case of Ireland, 85% come from the multinational sector. So we, we, we have essentially no indigenous exporters. They represent a tiny fraction of the economy. And as such, we really never industrialized. If we had industrialized uh, as as a country, what would matter massively to us is the cost of labor. Um, because we couldn't avoid being priced out of markets. Otherwise, that would kill domestic businesses. If you're a multinational, and over the last 50 years, wave after wave of multinationals have moved moved to Ireland from different sectors, like textiles, for example, uh, or electrical equipment assembly. And for those multinationals, it was fine. They could just up and, and leave. But if you were a domestic business and you were priced out of international markets, that would largely be the end of your business. So in Germany... Business people, the big industrialists and the small industrialists, the uh, Mittelstadt, so those are kind of small to medium privately owned businesses. The conservative views that you talk about, mm. um, well, these are all conservatives. They're mostly right wing. But the views that they hold with regard to the property market are exactly the same as take Task, which is a kind of left wing think tank in Ireland. They believe very strongly that you cannot have a property market where prices are increasing above inflation, mm -hmm. because that will create huge, huge pressures on wage increases. Um, and as a consequence, they actively lobby and pursue policies very, very similar to what might be those of, say, Task in Ireland. Mm -hmm. That's the conservative viewpoint, not just in Germany, but across much of Western Europe. In Ireland, the views that are held might better, rep might better be called feudalistic. They represent... A, an economy that doesn't necessarily have an, an indigenous export sector um, and therefore becoming rich in Ireland is very difficult and the way that most people become wealthy uh, is through property and if you look at the European Union uh, statistics Ireland is the only country in the EU where the most common way to become wealthy enter the top 10% of 
earners in the country is through inheritance. It's not through work. Yeah, There's a fundamental yeah. breakdown in Ireland, unfortunately, at the moment between working and doing well. Actually, if you want to do well, you just need wealthy parents. So it's which, which is a ma- which will be a major problem, I think, for um, for governments, whoever's in power over the coming uh, over the coming uh, over the coming years. Yeah. So security, because it, it strikes me that in Ireland we tell ourselves that we have a strong notion of social justice uh, on the in, in in matters of property, just because it takes a relatively long time for somebody to be evicted through the court systems, and I think we. You know, maybe we kid ourselves in saying, "Well, that shows that we have a conscience about it, and we, you know, we, we're not out of touch with our roots and and our predecessors and everything." But on the big issues, when <clears throat> that decide the future direction of distribution of property and how it's going to be handled, we always side with the property owners, and we always side with the older generations mm. rather than the younger generations. But but that's well, but that's very understandable. Um, if you take a step back and you look at let's say all of all of the western world um and you ask yourself what type of uh, policies tend to be pursued in countries where there's very high levels of inequality so you know well normally based on decades of of research the more unequal a society is the more likely policies will be implemented that tend to favor special interests or those that that have disproportionate levels of power relative to everybody else the more equal a society is the more the more common policies are pursued and implemented that tend to be more representative of the interests of most people so where does ireland lie in the scale of uh, inequality well it happens to be the most unequal society in the western world if you Take the OECD that includes Chile and Mexico. Ireland's more unequal than Chile and in, Mexico. In what way? In gross income, which is the most common measure of, okay. uh, that, uh, of inequality. Like, However, yeah. through social transfers, uh, we end up with a much with with a about average uh, society. Um, My colleague Dan O'Brien here, fairly uh, well thought of uh, economist, who's who's also a writer. Um, he would take issue with that. Actually, he's always tweeting very interesting graphs based on OECD OECD statistics and CSO figures Mm. showing that actually um, the wealth distribution in Ireland is maybe a little bit more even than we uh, that we like to let on. That's not to say that uh, the property system here is fair, but maybe it's not quite as Sure. Yeah, he, he, he's talking about after-tax redistribution, right? Um, which makes us about about average uh, within the either the OECD or the uh, or the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what that means, another way of, of kind of thinking about that is saying, okay, so really, what 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 it means is a huge number of people in Ireland are effectively underemployed. So there's an enormous amount of poor paying, relatively low skilled jobs internal to the Irish economy. And then there's a very small number of incredibly well paid uh, jobs. Um, And each of those people goes to work every week. At the end of the week, a small number of people are paid a huge amount of money. Large number of people are paid very, very small amounts of money. Uh, And then at the end of every month, there's a small adjustment made through uh, social, what's called social, social transfers. Another way of measuring the extent to which um, the extent of this inequality internal to the Irish economy is looking at something called over-education. Again, it's a statistic produced by the OECD, of which I'm sure Dan is very familiar with. Um, so over-education measures uh, the extent to which those employed within the workforce are 
have more education than is needed to fulfill the task that they're employed to currently do. And Ireland has the highest rate of overeducation uh, mm. uh, within the, the OECD. So that, that represents two things, a spectacular education system that has achieved uh, uh, something amazing, which is providing a very high level of education to an enormous number of people. But it represents also a failure in terms of industrial policy, where industrial policy hasn't managed to catch up uh, with our education system Just, uh, and, produ- and produce jobs that are, mm. um, that are at the level that the people of Ireland are able to work at. Just on that point, you, you've had a few interesting uh, points about this over the last few years. Um, you've said more than once now that you think we might be putting too uh, many eggs into one basket. And what surprised me was that the sector you were really talking about was the tech sector, yeah, um, yeah. particularly with regard to multinational companies. So yeah. we've got a couple of big companies here. In Dublin, for example, we have Google, which now employs 7,000 plus people. We have Facebook heading towards 3,000, possibly 4,000 in, in 12 to 18 months' mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That's an actual growing percentage of the entire city's workforce in two companies. Yeah. Um, you've, you've argued that we should be trying to diversify our industrial policy, or, that, or at the very least, that it may be a strategic mistake for us to be uh, focusing so yeah, much on can, these you, companies. I think you can never, you can never know for sure. Are this generation of multinational companies going to do something that no generation of multinational companies has really done in the past? So, 50 years ago, a kind of a lone civil servant, T.K. Whitaker, pushed uh, some very significant changes to how the Irish economy was structured. We started introducing very competitive kind of tax opportunities to multinational companies. Um, And over a number of generations, again, from textile manufacturing to electrical equipment assembly to computer assembly, these companies have come to Ireland. We've benefited hugely. They've created vast uh, employment um, and they've subsequently left to go elsewhere. I think it it may be the case that this generation of companies might not do that. Um, we just have to be certain, uh, or at least in some way sure, that, uh, that they're not going to leave. Um, and then we can continue to do what we're doing. But I think the central bank for many, many quarters in a row have have warned that, you know, there are significant risk factors to the Irish economy because of the huge dependence that we have on this singular sector. Um, Do you see any warning signs that any of these companies might be considering it at some point in the future? Maybe not consciously right now, but I mean, are you reading anything? um, I think it's very difficult for for me to say, I'd never like to, you know, say anything. We do work with all of these technology companies at uh, at a at a global level. We've partnership; they they are partners at our events all over uh, all over the world. Um, I think people should at least look at the office openings of some of these companies uh, elsewhere in Europe. Um, look then at the roles they're hiring for. Ask. Uh, is the fact that they are offering relocation bonuses to mid to senior staff in their Dublin offices indicative of um, something greater? Um, They should ask, does the change in how Facebook and other companies coming down the road, which hasn't been announced yet, account for their tax on global sales, the fact that they're changing that, uh, will that have a material impact on, on, on Ireland? Uh, is the IMF and our own central bank correct in saying that it will have a material impact or should we dismiss 
uh, we, we could we we could dismiss those. These are just kind of some um, some of the but don't they love the, the friendly welcome and they love the atmosphere and the warm. Yeah, and I mean, I personally, these are the largest, most successful companies to have ever existed in the history of the world. They're continuing to expand at such a pace that maybe it'll become almost kind of irrelevant that um, Ireland yeah, is used less and less for booking of t- tax on kind of global earnings mm-hmm. uh, and that they will just double down here. And it's kind of almost like a rounding error that it's slightly more expensive to have a large office here than Poland mm-hmm. or Berlin or Because that's what it Madrid. seems like at the moment. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I know uh, yesterday the Taoiseach was <clears throat> officially opening Google's new building, but yeah. every, if not every week, certainly every other month, um, we hear that Google or Facebook are looking at new offices the latest is that Facebook may, may be considering renting AIB's old headquarters in mm-hmm. uh, in Balls Bridge, which is a huge facility. Yeah. Um, so so far, it seems. Yeah, and I think for 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 these companies, I think Facebook's going to end up spread again across a, a building or two, and mm-hmm. even Google is spread across multiple buildings at this Facebook's point. Facebook's come to the north side. Yes. Um, so, but you know, th- these things are notoriously difficult to right. uh, to predict. Um, who, who really knows? Just before I come on to MoneyConf, um, and I know that you're announcing some speakers uh, next week, so we're going to talk about it only in general terms, but there's one last issue that you have um, been bringing up, and the laws of defamation... Um, uh, mean that I, I have to, tr- you know, be sort of be careful about this. But yes. you, 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 you've brought up a couple of times. I remember I was at a press conference. I think it was last year when you brought up the issue of corruption, sure, corruption sure. in Ireland. Yeah, and I think the reaction among a lot of people, other than the actual detail of what you were talking about, mm. was why is Paddy Cosgrave suddenly interested um, in corruption? Mm. I mean, people take on uh, interests and, and causes. But it's not like maybe Stuart Butterfield from Slack is sitting around saying to, do you know what, Paddy, one thing you should address is corruption in Ireland. Or or, or, or are they? Um, or wh- why are you interested in this? Um, you know, I think I, I, I grew up in a, I'm 34, I grew up in a generation where most of my friends left Ireland. Um, I think many of the underlying reasons why they left some would maintain it was because the entire country party too hard and we crashed the economy. I kind of think uh, a small group of insiders um, played a little bit too fast and loose and uh, brought unimaginable risk on the country that eventually basically effectively bankrupted the country and then the entire country stepped in and bailed out the misdeeds of a maybe 50 people uh, mm. for the most part and effectively none of those people have ever been held to account not because they've been able to wiggle their way out of uh, of, of of the laws in this country it's really boils down to the fact that there are very few uh, laws that these people have broken and if the United Nations is to be believed that's lar- and the OECD that's largely down to the fact that Ireland is the only Western nation yet to implement some very basic kind of anti-corruption and anti-bribery yeah. legislation which was a kind of ostensibly a requirement of the IMF bailout uh, the legislation was supposed to be rushed through in 2012 as emergency legislation it was it was drafted and uh, emergency legislation is designed as emergency legislation to be just rushed through and implemented. And still six years later, uh, we're waiting for it. That being said, I think there are some uh, indications that um, uh, that this legislation 
uh, might come to pass uh, in, 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 in the coming months. And even if, you're, even if you think, look, there's no corruption at all in the country, that's fine. Then you should also have no objections to at least just bringing in some basic rules of law um, I think a lot in of the people, event that some corruption might arise. A lot of people would, would find it hard to disagree with most of what yeah. you've said there, but yeah. we'd still be wondering, why are you putting yourself forward in this role? Like, why, why are you taking this on? Well, first of all, I don't think it's an issue that um, I'm. I'm yeah, correct. Like, I'm not. I'm. I'm not alone. There are many other people in the private sector who feel that this is a good thing to do. I'm very unusual in that uh, I've built a business. Uh, well, I have a, an amazing team that have built an amazing business, um, and less than one percent of our revenues globally come from Ireland. So that's a that's a really unusual phenomenon for an Irish company. It means that. It means that I'm freer, I think, than many other people to say things that that do upset certain people in Ireland. I know. Um, really? They no. really rankle. Yeah. They just rankle certain people. Fair, I, uh, mm-hmm. Certain people in, let's call them like the establishment, mm-hmm. uh, feel that in some way I am saying that these, that you, that, you know, that, that you are corrupt. Anybody that's a member of the establishment in Ireland, you know, nice high position in a, in a bank or something like that is must be corrupt. That's not that's not at all what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Um, I'm 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 just more interested in uh, in just implementing some some legislation. And yeah. the legislation is good to implement if there is corruption, and even if there isn't any corruption whatsoever. It's like mm-hmm. you know, if there are no road traffic accidents, does that mean we need no rules of the road? No, mm-hmm. we should mm-hmm. we should have some basic rules of the road. Um, you know, just because nobody's been killed using, you know, uh, semi-automatic weapons doesn't mean that we shouldn't have legislation in Ireland against the ownership of kind of semi-automatic heard or heard fully folks. automatic You're heard here, weapons. Uh, you know, these are, very, folks, these are very basic. Paddy Cosgrave's going on an anti-machine gun. gun. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, A crusade. Yeah. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit about uh, MoneyConf. As I said, you're announcing uh, speakers next week, I believe sure. the next Tuesday. Give me an idea of the scale of the event now. I think it's is it 5,000 people yeah, you're expecting? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the RDS again, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. the RDS. And it's very, very, very global event. Um, just coming down here, I was talking with with Eleanor uh, about some of our media partners. That's hopefully, 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 we'll be able to count the uh, Irish Independent as a media partner. So, mm-hmm. but it, our our media partners already are kind of the FT, CNBC. Who else, Eleanor? The Economist, the Economist. and they, so it's 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 little it's, guys. It 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 is an it's a it's an event in Ireland, and there will be um, lots of folks from kind of the Irish kind of fintech sector and kind of financial services sector attending. It's very easy. It's just down the street. Um, no need to travel, book a hotel, anything like that. But really, it's attracting um, an international crowd from, from the United States, from Europe and uh, and from uh, from Asia as well, in particular China. Do you think crypto is going to be a big theme this year? Yeah. So we will have a dedicated stage for kind of crypto. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a theme. We've always had something since 2000, 2010. At, uh, at Web Summit, usually just kind of a panel or two, a little bit more this year. Though at Web Summit, we kind of stepped away from ICOs. Everybody was pushing us to do stuff on ICOs. But right. We kind of felt they were a little bit scammy, if you Did ask you me. Are. Yeah. Well, I've had people in the studio arguing yeah. both sides. One, I've had in absolute enthusiasts who don't care if the price of Bitcoin drops by 60 or 70% periodically because they believe in it, mm. uh, you know, just as 
as a thing in itself. And then on the other hand, hand I've spoken to people who who mention comparisons to the tulip uh, bubble, etc. Are you anywhere close either either of those? I I, I don't pay play uh, close enough attention. I mean, I'm interested in in cryptocurrencies, uh, ICOs. I think there's probably just mm-hmm. uh, a need to clear some bad actors kind mm-hmm. of out of the system because it's too uh, easy. Yeah, it, yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of ruining it, I think, for very credible companies that are using ICOs as mechanisms to raise money. Right, right. A um, couple of uh, questions. Oh, you, you're starting a VC fund, are you? Um, Was there a story? Did I see a story in the paper the other day saying that you're contributing to a venture capital fund or... A ten million dollar? No, those are those, those are those, those are rumors. All those right, are rumors. So it's premature. Yeah. Okay, um, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what yeah. do you think you'd be doing? Would you um, be- yeah, I've 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 no idea. I've been so fortunate, you know, to to start a a, a company. Because um, beforehand you had you had my candidate, which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. and you you also did rock the vote. So you were kind of politically interested. From an yeah. early age, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, on 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 the corruption stuff, I was I was always interested from a very very young age. Um, but you know, just because you're interested in something doesn't mean you can kind of impact on it. And now I'm in a position where I can turn around to the CEOs of some of the biggest companies in the world, the CEOs of some of the smallest. Uh, but fastest growing companies that are very likely to think of Ireland as a as a location, as well as you know people who've edited Forbes, people that are senior journalists in major business publications around the world, and get them to you know get them to happily sign a letter, you know just politely asking the Irish government to consider its obligations under the UN Convention, kind of against corruption and their obligations. Uh, you were back to corruption as, again. A, as, as, as an OECD member. Yeah. Um, so I remember asking you yeah. uh, at that press conference, uh, Paddy, is this is this the first indication that you might be considering some sort of wider career in politics and you were going, no, you laughed it off and you said, you said no, but you can't, you can't help it. You can't resist it. You, 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 oh, you're no, interested. I, I, yeah, I think pe- people that are politicians, I mean, I think it's amazing that they sign away their lives, but uh, th- these are just things that I'm interested in. Maybe mm. I just grew up in a generation, you know, essentially all of my friends left Ireland mm-hmm. um, for love, for mostly, because, mostly because of the recession, one or two for love. Um, but most of them, you know, were forced to go elsewhere for kind of opportunity. And I think that's, I think for a generation of people in Ireland, it's very difficult to not be politicized by that experience and mm-hmm. to not ask, why did that happen? Have we course corrected and put in place all the necessary kind of buffers to make sure that we just don't go anywhere near to that experience again? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's still hurting us. Or, you know, our health system is still completely on its knees. Um yeah, so I'm, I think I'm just political by circumstance. Do you think by the time you retire, whenever that is, and, yeah. and let's say it's 75, do you think yeah. that you will have stood for office at least once? No, I don't think so. I think um, you will. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Something um, I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm interested in issues elsewhere in the world as well, and we you know we do a lot to try and uh, you know a number of years ago we brought a bunch of entrepreneurs from around the world to Ethiopia to try and persuade them to um, give money to build wells in a very poor part of uh, Ethiopia, and that was about four years ago, um, and afterwards. In the period since, mostly in the year afterwards, um, they donated more than $10 million to, to just a, a small group of about 30 kind of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. who collectively, some of them had built you know billions in, in, in kind of net worth. And th- that was the first time I realized that, wow, maybe from doing Web Summit, 
um, you can have a positive uh, influence on on different things in 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 Ireland, in Ethiopia, uh, and maybe elsewhere as well. And we're we're always working behind the scenes to, mm. you know, bring some of the biggest journalists in the world from some of the biggest news programs together with people with uh, with interesting uh, stories mm-hmm. that we think are pertinent uh, and that matter. The Web Summit here in Dublin, because its headquarters is here yeah. in Dublin. Is it a hundred people? Yeah, there's about there's probably there's about 170 people now, okay. full full time. Mm-hmm. So it's a very kind of strange business in that the number of like properly full time people throughout the year that that doesn't change is about 170. But then you know one month out from Web Summit that probably doubles. Two weeks out from Web right. Summit, that quadruples. Mm-hmm. One week out from Web Summit, it's more than a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And then the week of Web Summit between. All the other stuff, it's like thousands and thousands of people. There's one story you used to tell, I think it was in relation to, um, you were trying to give an idea of uh, the chances that uh, you give younger people in the web. Somebody was to do with somebody getting through to the head of Goldman Sachs, I think. Was this, uh, do you oh, remember that story? of McKinsey, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. McKinsey, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so we had this guy called Peter O'Malley mm. uh, working in the office. This was, this was four years ago at this point, and Web Summit wasn't really that well-known globally. It was beginning to kind of appear on some people's radars. And I asked Peter, could he just set up a call uh, with the head of McKinsey? And by the head of McKinsey, I meant the 15-person office in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of days later... I, I got called down for a call with Dominic Barton, the worldwide CEO of, uh, of McKinsey, yeah. that Peter, this kind of 20-year-old uh, who is brilliant, um, uh, had uh, had organized. And, 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 that, and that kind of sometimes happens. It's mm. Al, Al Gore has just confirmed again to come to our conference in the US, Collision. So, and the, the guy from USADA who took down Lance Armstrong, I just saw both of those coming in today. Mm. So it's kind of, it's, kind of, it's fun. It's lots of Irish mm. people just kind of hustling, mm-hmm. picking up the phone, sending emails to obscure people that you might think for some reason wouldn't mm-hmm. talk to you, but they, you know, they're all interested in telling their story and we give them a platform. Did you, did you ever get an offer to sell the Web Summit? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, of, not yeah, one that you considered? Of, lots of offers. Yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm really kind of proud to have, along with a, a really great just a, an amazing team of people built uh, built what we've built and mm-hmm. I'd still feel we're only you know we're just kind of getting started it's going to bootstrap from the very start and um, we're kind of really beginning to find our groove I think because mm-hmm. you know maybe 14 or 15 people joined us uh, in, in, in January the big change the biggest change has been you know as a bootstrap company you don't get external investment so bootstrap versus say venture funded they're two very different experiences so when you're venture funded people are taking a bet that you can build something very, very big in the future. And they buy a little bit of the company now and they give you a huge amount of money in return and you can use that money to accelerate certain things. So you can hire amazing, experienced staff. Um, And in our case, as we grew, we were certainly able to hire some experienced staff Eleanor's a great example. She worked for the Conservatives in the the UK for for many years. Um, But now, the big difference is now um, you take the age profile of the company. Two years ago, it was about it was I know this. It was this time January two years ago. It was twenty three point nine. It's now over twenty nine years of age, which is more representative. If we were if we were a venture back company, the average age would hover around that. Um, so the big change is, has been really in the experience that we've brought into uh, brought into the company. Um, so it's kind of fun to 
it's fun to it's fun to work with just great people. So the last question I have: yeah. that if you ever been into Facebook's offices in uh, in Dublin, actually in anywhere Menlo Park yeah. or anywhere, yeah. they have all these posters up, and one of their, their famous phrases is "You got to move fast and break things." Yeah, they're, remember, they're moving away from that. By the way, I know, oh, I know yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember in the early days of the Web Summit. I remember you had a thing that you called a future truth, and that was you were trying to get somebody to come speak at the conference and you were kind of you were talking about somebody else who may come to speak at the conference may or would speak at the conference and maybe that person wasn't completely uh, booked yet but but the two you could sort of marry the two but in other words there was a lot of hustle going on yeah yeah enormous amount of hustle okay we'd we'd never do you could never do a future truth with a speaker because that's that's incredibly high risk because if you were to misuse like say peter thiel or Mm -hmm. co-founder of facebook dustin moscovitz name Mm -hmm. and it's quite tight these people know each other and somebody right. used to call somebody not only would you lose both of those people but reputationally mm-hmm. uh, that would be a kind of too great a risk it would be more it was more on stuff like the food summit so i just mm-hmm. really wanted to create this kind of showcase of uh, irish food and you kind of have to paint a dream it's really a dream you're just painting something that doesn't exist yet in people's minds and telling them that it's going to be amazing and then going to persuade uh good food ireland that they should get involved before you've even got planning permission from dublin city council mm-hmm. to be able to house them and meanwhile they're rounding up chefs from around the country and you're knocking your head against a stone wall trying to get licenses to build temporary structures in Herbert Park and mm-hmm. and eventually the first time we did the food summit it literally just all somehow came together at the last moment mm-hmm. um, so certain things you can kind of paint a uh, a, a picture of what's possible in the future but uh, yeah with speakers you could end up uh, well Paddy Cosgrave thank you very much for coming into studio today and for staying with me through uh, my own uh, flu, uh, man flu uh, today. Um, the money conf is on. Is it the June eleventh to thirteenth? Yeah, June. Yeah, June eleventh to the thirteenth. Um, Three days. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's an amazing kind of group of. Yeah, it's a, I'm going to say this. I'm totally biased, but it's a great group of speakers from kind of every interesting company in the space. So if you buy things or you sell things, especially you know any type of if you run a shop or you're just selling a service. Um, the amount of innovation that's happening in the sector and the amount of opportunity to either save money, make more money, um, or just the things that anybody that's kind of curious about the sector can learn about Bitcoin and all of these other sectors will all be kind of covered uh, over those two days. And it's lots of people from around the world, so they'll be heading out every night in uh, in Dublin. So it'll be a great kind of networking event. Great. Okay. Well, listen, thanks again, uh, Paddy, for coming into studio. So that's about all we have time for. This week, folks, um, please do hit uh, like or give our podcast a rating on whatever podcast engine you use. And we'll talk to you at the same time next week. Bye-bye.